Hello everyone, I'm Puneet Gandhi and I would like to welcome you to Understanding Future. On this podcast, we will talk with the experts from different fields and try to understand from them how their fields will shape up in future. We will start with a brief background of the expert and then dive into their subject field. These fields can vary from your energy industry or something from tourism or fashion. as well so anything under the sun can be the topic of discussion on this uh, podcast and we will also make sure that we talk to people who are at the top of the management or someone who is on the ground and making the change so we are, what we are just trying to do is make sure that we have perspectives from different people as well in the same industry so that we get a better clarity understanding of how things will move forward for us as we do this and as we understand how things will shape up for us at least professionally we will also try to dive into what kind of jobs and job sectors might come up in future with these industries which might not even be in demand or might not exist right now this is what understanding future is all about i hope you guys enjoy it with me let me know if you would like to know about certain fields and their future and Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. Thank you. Hi, Vidyu, uh, and welcome to Understanding Future. We are good to have you over here on board for our episode on Understanding Future of Biomass. So, Vidyu, if you would, if you can just give a brief background about yourself to our audience, that would be. Great to start off with. Hi, Puneet. Uh, thanks so much for having me. Uh, pleasure to be speaking with you. I, uh, the co-founder of Takachar. Uh, what we are trying to do through this company is uh, drastically scale the utilization of waste biomass in the form of uh, agricultural residues to make various kinds of uh, products like solid fuel, fertilizers, uh, specialty chemicals. and uh, we are trying to do this through technology hardware technology uh, uh, that essentially enables this to happen right and uh, we are also trying to build a marketplace that connects uh, farmers to uh, the end buyers of such products uh, leading to uh, you know increase in farmer incomes through the sale of their crop residues uh, but also addressing the problem of open burning of crop residues which is uh, which has been contributing to pollution problems and uh, not only many parts of india but many parts other parts of the world as well that that sounds pretty interesting uh and i'll just like to add some things to it for the audience that uh, vidyut is a very good friend of mine from our masters together uh hopes that he has received a lot of awards in a lot of different fields relating to uh energy and green fellowships uh, some of them are He's been on Unleashed Energy Talent Echoing Green Fellow, and he's currently uh, in 2020. He received Forbes 30 Under 30 for being a social entrepreneur. So congratulations for that, Vidyut. I really like the idea and concept, and I have seen you work through it uh, for now many years, I guess. Uh, so you have said what Takachar does and what it is planning to do. and so you guys basically sell something called as activated carbon 
So is this all solid fuels, fertilizers and all part of activated carbon or how does that work? Yeah, I mean, that's something, uh, activated carbon is, uh, that's something we are starting with. But, I mean, the same equipment can be used for, uh, uh, to make solid fuel and fertilizers. Okay. So biomass is very context dependent. Uh, each biomass, uh, it can be custom tailored to make specific kinds of products, right? So not all biomasses are suitable to make activated carbon, for example. Okay. Uh, so what we're trying to do with our equipment is, uh, our equipment allows uh, all these different biomasses to be used to make these different products. Uh, obviously, as a startup, we cannot have our focus uh, everywhere. So we're starting with activated carbon for now. Okay. And so you guys have a hardware piece which helps in uh, processing specifically crop residues. Any specific type of crops or any kind of crops can work in that whole segment? Any kind of crop residues. So we've tested with uh, uh, rice husk, coconut shells, you know, uh, sugarcane bagasse, uh, sugarcane trash, wheat straw, paddy straw. So we, I mean, uh, various kinds of uh, crop residues that are usually waste and are uh, generally of no value. Okay. And so where can this activated carbon be used? Uh, because you are starting from there. I would at least like to understand where where is the exact use case of this scenario. Uh, yeah, so activated carbon is typically used uh, in uh, purification of uh, air and gas streams, right? Uh, polluted air and gas streams. So it's used in a water filter, water purifiers at home. Okay. It's used to it's used for industrial water purification. It's used for uh, municipal water purification. Uh, it, companies like Coca Cola, Pepsi utilize that to purify their uh, water for. I mean, the, for the for the drinks they make, then it's also used in air purifiers, used in power plants to remove mercury emissions. Uh, it's used in mining as well uh, for uh, uh, purification of the extracts. So it, it has various it's, uh, a lot of it, it has various applications uh, involving uh, removing out uh, impurities. Okay. And uh, specifically with air pollution, then I'll come to that point. Uh, how is it used in, like, can we use directly it in, uh, for masks and all, which are currently a lot in demand for sure? Yeah, so some, some, some masks do have activated carbon. Okay. In their, uh, filters, but, uh, a lot don't. And, uh, so yeah, I mean, so that, that is one application, but it's, it's, it's primarily, I mean, if you have to just remove uh, PM 2.5, PM 10, it's not really needed. Okay. But if to remove actual uh, organic compounds like volatile matter or, you know, some, something something as dangerous as mercury emissions or something, and, you know, uh, so then, then it's uh, very important to have it. Okay, okay. So but then I'm assuming it is not uh, also used a lot in air purifiers that ha- that are used in homes, especially in places like Delhi. In air purifiers, uh, it's uh, it's used actually in some uh, air purifiers, uh, but in masks, not that much. Okay. okay. Yeah. So that's quite interesting. And eventually, you plan to take these products further into solid fuel. Uh, and what will be the use of solid fuel? Uh, if you can just clarify on those lines. Yeah. So in the case of solid fuels. Uh, what it does is, obviously, the process of making solid fuels from biomass is well established. Uh, what it does, uh, this process allows, is it adds value to that solid fuel. It increases the calorific value 
of the fuel right uh, so essentially what that would do is it would i mean the produce um, it would fetch a higher value in the market uh, because of the calorific value and uh, at the same time it reduces the lot of the logistics associate logistical costs associated with uh, the entire biomass value chain hmm. so if you are if uh, uh, i mean our equipment is small scale and decentralized okay so if you are able to upgrade uh, this uh, biomass uh, close to the site itself where it's generated so it makes it a you know, dense carbon rich material that um, reduces the logistics cost of transporting uh, by up to 60% oh wow and uh, so that has a benefit uh, there as well okay and then you can basically use that solid fuel to either for gas as well as for producing electricity if i'm not yeah so various thermal applications can be used in boilers right typically so initially if one has to start small one would typically sell it to boilers hmm. smaller boilers if you're able to scale well enough then you can of course uh, supply to large thermal power plants like ntpcs come up with biomass uh, pellet policy okay for, for white pellets uh, as well as for uh, bio coal okay so that that's the potential business model i think you would explore in future once you have better market reach uh, right yeah once you're able to achieve some scale okay that's that's quite it and the fertilizer i'm assuming it directly like because it's uh, activated carbon or something you can directly put it for plants and they'll get more carbon out of it or is it something else yeah uh, so that's a good question so with fertilizers uh, uh, that's something that we are actually much closer to market than uh, say uh, with solid fuels okay uh, i mean what essentially uh, what we're trying to do is is to make a complete fertilizer product that has the uh, npk nutrients as well as the carbon that the soil needs in one package using uh, the output from our machine as a substrate and uh, what it has is uh, the potential to we trying to see i mean a lot of it is still in the research phase we're trying to see uh, you know if we can reduce synthetic fertilizer usage right and surface runoffs uh, versus uh, output from our product uh, 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 at the same time so the surface runoffs are essentially you know go and pollute other water streams uh, once they run off from the field so we're trying to see that at the same time we're trying to uh, see how it's uh, how it's affecting crop yields till now we've done uh, pilots with a company in kenya okay and uh, and the results and we worked with 3500 farmers there and the results have shown that uh, the product uh, we have developed together with that company in kenya increases farm uh, crop yields by uh, up to 25% versus synthetic fertilizers the, the first year of application itself or over years that this kind of uh, uh, productivity or efficiency in crop yield comes in Yeah, so you begin to see yields uh, after uh, after a year. Okay. Results, yeah. Wow, that's that's tremendous yield, though, because uh, at least uh, if you can increase that much amount, and around what would be the cost factor difference? Would you see in this kind of uh, chemical synthetic and this bio fertilizers? Yeah, so it's said uh, it's so what I mean. Those are, that's something we're exploring right now. Exactly what we exactly how much we need to price it at. okay uh but the uh, i mean the uh, i mean the partner company in kenya that we work with uh, they sell it at the same price actually oh. as synthetic fertilizers okay ha uh, that's also still fair enough that uh, even at the same price if you can get better efficiency yeah it makes much more sense for any farmer and i'm i'm sure that, that this helps uh, the soil as well nourish itself quite a lot in future 
over it has a lot of benefits uh, i mean of course this is some of the micro benefits that it has on a very large uh, economic scale level i mean countries like india import a lot of uh, ammonia and phosphate from abroad to make the fertilizers i mean the i mean the vision is to uh, locally produce fertilizers uh, right um, at a at a say at a block level or even uh, smaller than that yeah tailor it according to the crops grown there uh, according to the soil available the climatic conditions so that one is able to maximize the yield so i i can just like map a bit of it and i can imagine like do you have any idea of how much crop residue that is burned just out in the field every year in india approximately um, i mean worldwide if i can say it's it's about uh, I mean, you can. I mean, in terms of monetary value, it's about 120 billion dollars worth of crop residues that's just burnt wow. worldwide. Wow! And if you just use a product like yours, you can actually convert it and make money out of it. Yes, yes, it's easier said than done. <laughs> but actually, uh, I'm sure, like yeah, yeah. So, but uh, I mean, that's the vision that uh, uh, equipment is deployed uh, with farmer groups and uh, it is converted to a farm. that has value in industry and then the industry buys that as a raw material to make various products okay. like fuel fertilizers activated carbon okay okay yeah that that's a very interesting way of yeah because i have also never see i have like we have talked a lot about a lot of things under the sun but specifically how big this industry was i have never realized so i do see like what what do you see as so apart from crop residue as well let me then go to the next question later on but uh, what are the kind of other biomass products that you can use to make such activated carbon then not apart from crop residue so apart from for crop residue what is uh, being used right now is fossil based sources okay uh, essentially coal is used to make activated carbon and uh, wood is being used so uh, yeah i mean those are the only sources currently being used to make activated carbon uh, the biomass that is currently being used to make activated carbon is coconut shells okay okay so uh, then i'm assuming that uh, product would only be there in south focused area where there are more plantations over there uh right right so uh, southern india sri lanka uh, indonesia i mean essentially where there's a lot of coconut yeah. production okay okay fair and especially when we talk about such things as well it becomes uh, from a business point of view very important to look into the aspect of trans uh, aspect of uh, transportation and logistic because you don't want all the less the travel it has the better more green the product is as well as the cost are low right Right. Yeah, we want to avoid that. I mean, the entire idea behind this is, uh, I mean, till now a lot, of, a lot of biomass development is very large-scale centralized units, uh, you know, that have essentially have to haul large volumes of biomass, right? Essentially, you're hauling a lot of water, uh, in the, which you want to avoid doing. And uh, so, the idea is to convert the biomass close to the site where it is. And ideally, convert it to the end product there itself. But if not possible, convert it to the end product uh, by uh, uh, an industry that is uh, nearby okay so something like of uh, something like a decentralized centralized model so make sure that the cost efficiency can come right uh, with the fertilizer uh, we are actually uh, we have uh, at least in the pilot still we have managed to achieve a complete decentralized production 
So at the village level itself, it is the the crop residues are converted into the fertilizer and then sold in the, uh, to farmers uh, in and around the village itself, closing the loop. That that's quite interesting because in that case scenario, like I think that would be quite cheap for them as well as uh, the whole execution process and. It also leads to, especially the community building aspect of uh, the farming as well, because everyone knows where the source and the product is coming from, how it is made, and everything on those lines, right? Yeah, I mean that does play a part in uh, building some trust, uh, definitely. Uh, but uh, I mean, farmers are still, you know, uh, uh, I mean they don't want to uh, take a risk in, you know, changing what they have been doing for a very long time, what has worked from the, what has worked for them essentially. Hmm. Uh, with say you know traditional fertilizers that they've been using, yeah. So it does uh, it, it it does take some amount of uh, show and tell, you know, to uh, get them involved. Uh, but uh, uh, but yeah, I mean producing locally and seeing seeing what happens definitely plays a part. It's not it's not a completely alien process to them. Okay. So, but how do you how do you get on board these farmers if they do not want to change? Because that becomes a very interesting uh, viewpoint for at least us to understand how do farmers think and what do they do? How do they proceed on those lines? Yeah, so we essentially started with some uh, wealthy farmers that were uh, you know growing some horticultural crops and had some plantations. Okay. Right. Uh, so uh, they were they were much easier to convince in using this, and uh, once we managed to scale with them, uh, that became a point of demonstration for a lot of the other farmers. Yeah. And uh, so once a few paddy farmers got convinced with that, they started uh, exploring the product. Initially, we also did things like we, you know, we we uh, I mean, I mean, we gave the fertilizers to for uh, <clears throat> to them for free very initially. Yeah. For them to try out and check how the yield was. Yeah. Uh, so the initial first year was not very easy in scaling up. Yeah. Uh, but after that, they saw that the you know the yield was not really going down, or you know, and it was essentially uh, either remaining the same or increasing uh, by up to twenty five percent in a lot of the cases. So uh, they were very. I mean, after that, it was easy to spread by word of mouth okay. to other farmers. Okay. Uh, and then, how do you see this thing coming in India now? Because uh, this is Kenya's perspective. Um, as you yeah, just to the previous point, I also want to add that it was uh, it's important that the village production is done by a farmer himself or herself, right? Yeah. Uh, so if it's done by that, then it just becomes a much uh, much easier to scale through the village. So and is it nah. possible actually uh, to make it self-sustainable? That okay, this is the amount of crop residue that comes out from their village itself can be made into fertilizer, which they can use. Yeah, so the, I mean the uh, company that we work with in Kenya on the field is called Safi Organics. The founder is essentially, I mean, uh, they have a, a production unit in the village. I mean, it's I mean that's their village, so. Uh, they they produce the product, right? Obviously, they utilized it in their own farm, yeah. and of course, they know the people around. So you know, just uh, that that uh, trust level just uh, goes up. Yeah. Uh, so that's a, that plays a very important part. Rather than you know someone coming from a city and selling a fertilizer to them, that's not going to work. Yeah, uh, but that's always the case with decentralized part, uh, right? That yeah. Local trust is one of the major factors in promotion of any product. Otherwise, uh, anyone comes from outside, they will not be able to penetrate it un- 
for a very long time Things yeah i would definitely say that right uh, uh, if the product adds a lot, lot of value and yeah. to to the farmer right uh, but even if it's more expensive than the current uh, system the farmer will buy it on the basis of some level of uh, trust the uh, factor from someone else who used who has used it even if the product is more expensive okay so yeah that's uh, that's quite interesting so yeah coming back to the indian point of view how do you see this things uh, being developed in india now uh well uh, to develop this in india i mean it has to be similarly done right uh, yeah. so we are looking to partner with groups on the ground companies on the ground that are collecting uh, crop residues on a large scale and producing some products okay. out of it and uh, we'd be interested to partner with them to see if our equipment can add value to any of their uh, product streams so essentially uh, i mean we're looking for people who uh, companies who have field presence on the ground yeah. and uh, our technology can be used there to you know add more, uh, add our for the value to the crops to use or add a parallel stream of products that can be made yeah it depends on the context whether that can be used for fertilizers activated carbon or anything else okay but for fertilizers for example right uh, if we say uh, you know just uh, uh, work with a company that's collecting crops to use in punjab yeah that has access to paddy straw and rice husk uh, then it's a matter of our equipment being there and experimenting a way to Uh, develop this fertilizer mix uh, can work for the case of punjab for example so that's the other thing uh, right uh, i mean this this company in kenya managed to make this proprietary mix you know uh, which uh, which is act- which is actually the fertilizer mix uh, which of course is uh, uh, their ip and it's not open source so you know i mean um, that's something that cannot be replicated directly in india unless afi organics uh, wants to do it yeah uh, but it has to be uh, indigenously developed so the it will involve some amount of r&d as well uh, along with the field partnership okay that that sounds like a, at least quite uh, thought through plan and i hope you guys can achieve it as well on those lines uh, so coming to one of the important questions of this whole thing about understanding future where do you see this uh, biomass this is not only energy this is utilization of biomass in different forms so that you can save energy uh, i feel that's more apt for it than just uh, understanding future of uh, for biomass energy so uh, in that sense where do you see this whole uh, biomass industry scaling up in future like i'm talking about at least 20 25 years down the line in the ideal case scenario that you would like to see right uh, yeah so biomass uh, one thing can assure you assure you this plenty of biomass in this world there's no shortage of waste biomass that can be <clears throat> can be uh, can be utilized right so availability of biomass is not a problem the key challenge is uh, two fronts one is of course the logistics of it uh, essentially how does one transport and process this biomass from the farm to an industry Yeah. right it is very loose bulky and wet you know so that makes that entire uh, entire process very challenging uh, the second aspect is uh, right no farmer would be interested in wasting their time and money in uh, uh, in participating in this in this value chain if there is no economically viable off tech market yeah uh, for the biomass so uh, those two have to be there 
the the second the second part is a question of the um, is a question a question of r and d actually yeah uh, right a lot of r and d needs to go in in uh, figuring out various bio, uh, various markets for biomass right so anything that is fossil based right now uh, for example uh, graphite uh, graphene carbon black uh, activated carbon uh, fertilizers fuels uh, all of these can be uh, explore and see how biomass can uh, replace uh, production of these things right uh, so of course that is a question of r and d and uh, uh, scaling up over time so one is never going to see a very like you know steep exponential scaling up like you know we see in traditional vc funded startups it is very r and d dependent and it's going to be slow and steady growth it's going to take 10 15 years for this to achieve some sort of scale and the second thing is uh, of this entire question of logistics and uh, conversion of the biomass yeah. i mean this this can only happen if you have some sort of decentralized processing processing i mean the traditional approach has been very centralized in a large scale which is not going to work right this has existed for the past uh, uh, many decades and it has shown that despite biomass not being available in plenty it has not been able to scale there is uh, the industry is not being able to achieve its full potential so one has to develop technologies that process these biomass at a decentralized level close to where they are generated so these are the two things that uh, i see are key to key for this industry to scale uh, from our own perspective uh, we are trying to uh, have about uh, 250 systems on the ground by the beginning of 2024 uh, so that's what our target is yeah uh and uh, yeah I me mean, that's what our energies are going towards in achieving that okay so uh, then do you guys have this is this is quite an interesting insight as well on the whole uh, biomass and what are the challenges and what your goals are as well so if if you can share a bit of more details on the lines of uh, where uh, so if you are planning to sell 250 of such systems by 2024 that includes the whole uh, supply chain of manufacturing that you have to develop i think a whole marketplace that you need to develop and uh, to make sure that people are on board as well uh, so what all other things and challenges do you see in scaling up to this level right so uh, first challenge is of course uh, the entire marketplace development right uh, so we have deliberately chosen activated carbon because uh, uh, it is something it is it is a value chain that already uses uh, biomass and so a well established value chain uh, so we are kind of uh, hooking on to that to start with okay and uh, that would involve essentially focusing a lot on the product that we're making so right now our uh, our, our goal is to first you know focus on the product and then uh, and uh, not worry about setting up all this field value chain and all the operations part of it Okay. So essentially, we want to part. Uh, we want to focus uh, target a value chain that's already well established. Okay. And a biomass as well. And uh, uh, so, and other some other challenges in India include like for startup, right? Manufacturing is a big challenge. Yeah. If uh, essentially for something that has a more slower and uh, steadier growth, if you have to make say you know. Now, I mean, finding a fabrication and manufacturing partner in the beginning is very difficult task. Uh, so that's what my experience is. So initially, one when you're prototyping, for example, right, no big manufacturer would would be interested to partner with you. Uh, even if they do, 
they will they, they might show interest in the beginning okay uh, but as soon as uh, they get a big order from some other company right that requires a very large system to be made or say hundreds of systems to be made in a month yeah. uh, your your project will get sidelined and it will get delayed and that's what that has been one of our experience with the past uh, manufacturer uh, but at the same time if you go to a very small manufacturer coming <clears throat> you see the quality of the product is not that really great quality yeah. of the manufacturing and the fabrication yeah. so there is a big missing gap in between uh, that something that can cater to small businesses uh, right that can manufacturers that can uh, cater to selling say 5 to 10 systems in a month initially when the startup startup is small yeah. or even earlier right when the startup is just prototyping yeah uh, so that's a big challenge uh, there are people available who do that but it's just it's a very hard task to find out and uh, we burnt our hands a lot in the beginning by doing this okay so uh, that's that's basically an opportunity for a lot of people out there that manufacturing space for new and upcoming startups is empty i see it as that point of view over here that uh, yes it's a very difficult process because of scaling and everything but if someone is in that field uh, of manufacturing and can potentially utilize it to scale it up in a different direction as well this might be an interesting opportunity uh, yes it would definitely save a lot of our time i i think i could have stayed a lot of my hassle right doing a lot of uh, doing a lot of running around work and uh, uh, getting getting things fabricated it's actually quite a operationally <laughs> intensive and difficult task when you have a very small team and one has to work with really small fabricators yeah and ensuring things are done properly yeah yeah so i i'll i'll surely say it out loud that uh, if anyone does it and is listening to this please reach out to me or vidyut and we will i'll connect you to him as well if required uh, awesome <laughs> so uh, that's quite interesting uh, thought process and you have already shown where you guys are headed as well so what all other things do you expect at least on the job front that what kind of r&d are we looking at what kind of resources that needs to go into this so that such fields can come out as a winner as well and yeah. where do you see this going yeah that's a good question puneet uh, one thing i would definitely say i mean one uh, if one has to uh, generate a lot of hardware innovations in india that have a very long uh, development cycle right yeah. and uh, and they take money in the beginning to do all the r&d so currently from uh, uh, so i would like to say that i mean this can be done only through uh, if it only through grants and it should be done only through grants in the beginning okay right uh, so i uh, and it should be done specifically through government grants uh, and uh, research institutions uh, government research institutions or private research institutions in india Okay. the thing is a uh, lot of the government grants currently available in india for uh, developing technologies hmm. are uh, can actually lead to can contribute to only development of uh, a technology that is already reached a certain level of uh, technology readiness level right if it's above yeah. close to trl 5 or you know somewhere for okay. that's already that, quite high so you are not really innovating but you are just strengthening the innovated product yeah you you essentially just uh, uh, doing some engin- uh, just doing the engineering of it yeah. right uh, but uh, if one has to really go down into the scientific r and d you know really really low to trl work 
and one has to uh, do it uh, outside the university ecosystem one can still be associated with facilities at a university yeah. but one is not really student there right so uh, uh, that i mean for that one has to really uh, need uh, more amount of funds uh, obviously uh, more amount of grants available from the government side yeah for these to happen the biotechnology mission grant and uh, the actually is a very good uh, grant for this to happen but uh, this is actually a bit uh, i mean it's i would say it's it, i mean the the quantum of funds need to be increased uh, i mean for us to do this r&d it has i mean for uh, for our work it has taken the one phd project one master thesis right me and my co-founders yeah and after that uh, three more years after that yeah <laughs> so uh, it uh, and this is combining uh, funds available in us and india yeah uh, so uh, i i would definitely say that uh, that needs to happen uh, right so this local ecosystem in india to support scientific r&d innovations and hardware not uh, not just uh, anything to do with you know uh, computer software generated computer software or you know i would even go uh, ahead and say with to to with, with ai or machine learning right yeah. those typically have uh, low i guess uh, they, i mean the product can be developed much faster I mean, if one has to go into co-scientific R&D, I mean, speaking in terms of energy technology, right? I mean, one has to think of say how how do we uh, uh, just randomly uh, talking about like, things like how do we uh, use solar thermal to make cement uh, to provide energy for making cement, yeah. or you know, uh, or carbon capture or storage, for example, right? All these things require a very low TR TRL level of scientific innovation, and that requires a lot of money. Uh, and uh, i mean just uh, looking at the system in the us is something that you know that can be actually copied right when it doesn't have to like really innovate on that yeah uh, and uh, the government grant system there is uh, i mean that has its own bureaucratic uh, problems and challenges but it there's a system there that is established that rewards uh, competitive uh, companies to uh get grants uh, right sometimes even up to multiple millions of dollars right and uh, develop the product yeah and uh, so that's something that definitely needs to develop in india we are still i mean our economy is still not as i guess uh, um, big as the us so uh, a lot of the chunk of the funds like is hard to utilize for such uh, things yeah uh, but uh, as our economy grows uh, a percentage of that substantial percentage of that should be utilized to develop this ecosystem Yeah absolutely that sounds uh, that sounds very uh, true as well because i have been working on the field of innovation as well and we were looking at the data where india hardly spends around uh, 0.7 or 1.7 something on those lines for their r&d and uh, r&d also basically looks into improving efficiency of uh, your existing systems so Uh, that does not really mean that it is going directly into development of product as well and that is something which is quite surprising but fair enough as well from the economic standpoint i hope uh, we can improve upon that aspect for better technology development and hopefully better make in india startups like yours right all right and with the current funding ecosystem right i mean one has to get money uh a large amounts of money then i mean essentially it's private equity at the moment and yeah. i mean it, i don't think it makes sense to get a, a dilutive funding uh, when i mean you have not developed a product and you have not really you know uh, proven your market not does it make sense to take loans obviously so i mean this just leaves grants uh, you know 
for you know for you to develop your technology and the only way it can happen is by the government developing an ecosystem to do that okay that and choosing a very competitive startups as recipients of those grants yeah because you will also need uh, those technologies to be understood by academicians as well as industrialists uh so you need a good ecosystem on the background to actually vet such startup as well so that their product can be developed uh at the initial phase and not at trs five for more of that more right okay uh, that that's a very interesting piece and in point uh, from you i guess so that says a lot that uh, effort that you have made and the years of work that you have done on ground i have seen uh, you do it as well so i think i can say that uh, uh, i hope you guys succeed as soon as possible on those lines as well in india and uh, make it big uh, in the biomass sector anything else that you would like to add uh, to this whole discussion yeah i mean uh, i mean nothing much more i mean I, i'm just i mean i i get very intrigued and curious about this entire ecosystem for uh, scientific innovation and commercialization yeah uh, because i've uh, a first hand uh, account of seeing how it uh, how the ecosystem is in the us uh, and how it is in india yeah. we are slowly moving towards that direction but if we need to but we need to uh, move faster now in setting up that ecosystem and uh, you know there are a lot of aspects of it i don't know give enough time for yeah. me to talk about it but it essentially starts with uh, Uh, innovators in the university level right phd's or uh, master level students or even undergraduate students who have an innovation uh, uh, the approach is to not putting the hammer to a nail right not yeah. going with an innovation and then figuring out the problem that is going to solve yeah one has to start with the customer discovery process uh, right in the beginning yeah uh, and then develop the product accordingly so that's what the uh, innovation ecosystem in the us starts with something called uh, uh, the icops program from the national science foundation and that gives a grant uh, for selected uh, students to try to understand a market pain point and once you get that grant uh, if you pass that program then you get a grant to develop a prototype based on the pain points that you've learned once you develop that prototype then you get uh, eligible to participate in large government grants you know from like sbir yeah. uh, in in the us so i mean there's a stage for every I mean, for every step and I think if I, if that develops in India, I mean, I would uh, that's something that could you know really let and lead to be IP generated being within India. Yeah, true. Yeah, that's that's a very good insight as well for us to how to actually get into this whole process of development of its own uh, uh, research and development and generating more IPs because India severely lacks on those terms as well. uh which is something uh i'm not sure how, uh, we are trying to focus on it for sure or uh, as a country but i'm not sure how f- productive that focus has been uh so i will not comment on it a lot but yeah we really need to make sure that uh, more and more ips are generated more and more papers are published in india to make sh- uh, to make india a more innovative country but thank you thanks a lot with you uh, i'm i'm really happy that uh, i could speak to you on this uh, with, like with so much amount of good content coming from types of biomass products that comes into place to understanding the ecosystem of uh, farmers 
and uh, decentralized fertilizers that can be used and activated carbon as well and then eventually turning into the whole ecosystem aspect of how funding is important for such uh, startups and hopefully we can bring in more and more funding on these lines and try to develop more and more r&d in india thanks a lot for doing an episode with me thank you for pleasure puneet any thanks for having me welcome welcome and any last uh, things that you would like to tell audience on following you or anything on those lines you can uh promote it on your own lines uh, i mean uh, i'll just say <laughs> if any of you are involved in water purification uh, uh purifying of uh, any any air or gaseous effluents i'll be i'd love to speak with you or else you're generally interested in biomass i'd love to catch up with anyone okay thanks a lot vidyut thanks a lot for this wonderful session on understanding future i hope you get all the success 